Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah Bowen Shea. I'm joined today by Liz Waterstrot. Hello, Liz. Hey, Sarah. How are you? Whoa, whoa, I'm already whoa. having a technical difficulty here. <laughs> uh, my microphone started coming toward me. I'm good. How are you? Good. I was going to say, that sounds like a runaway microphone. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, Liz, since I know you love to talk about pickleball. I oh, think I've been waiting all week. <laughs> so there is a running tie-in to this, which is that... I So on Sundays, typically, I play with an invited foursome of women at a, there's a pickleball pro in town who owns a property that has two outdoor pickleball courts and one indoor court, and they are her private purview. And so if you kind of know the secret handshake and have gotten clearance and kind of quote unquote training from her, then you can uh, rent the courts for a very modest fee. And it's it's super generous. I mean, for her to open it up to basically strangers. I've met this woman once. And so anyway, so one of the people that I invite is this woman, Sheila, who if people have read Train Like a Mother, me and Dimity's second book, they will know that she is the woman with whom I trained for the 2010 Portland Marathon. Mm. And we had stayed in light contact. I I just adore Sheila. I just adore her. She is such a good person and really interesting to talk to and a a thinker, contemplative. So, but we hadn't seen each other all that much in probably close to a decade, but she was the first person when I came back from Rancho La Puerta after discovering pickleball, she was the one who said, oh, well, maybe I said something on the podcast. I don't know. But she's like, Oh, I have two paddles. If you want to play sometime. So she ventured with me to the first time I played stateside. So anyway, so we play and we've both gotten better since we started playing together. And but we play against some people that are definitely better than us. And but there is some mother runner magic between Sheila and me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and also Sheila will hustle for a ball as if her life depends on it. Like she will just there, on occasion, if somebody like does a drop shot, which means the sh- ball bounces just over the net, I'll be like, yeah, I'm not going to run for that because I'm not going to get it in time. Oh, no, Sheila will dash for it. So uh, so I admire that. And I now now that my back's a whole lot better, I try to emulate that. So anyway, so Sheila and I just have, I don't know, there's something between the two of us that makes us, our combined forces make us better than both of us are singularly. Synergy. (laughs) Yeah, synergy. There's a word. We call that synergy, Sarah. (laughs) Is that a fancy word from one of those nonfiction books you read there, Liz? (laughs) You. It's a fancy coaching word, you know. Mm-hmm. No, I'm kidding. I, it's, I don't know. I just, <laughs> yeah, no, just, no, no. That's is, ex- exactly what I thought of. It, it, is, it is the perfect word. And because we also, we, we take, I mean, we have a ton of fun. And, you know, when we play on this indoor court, we play music. We have um, the, it seems like everybody I play with loves Florida as much as I do. And so... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sarah. <laughs> I've gotten a bunch of them to agree that if Florida comes to town, that they will go to his concert with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wow. I can't believe you just said that on the podcast. To <laughs> oh, 
no, I want it marked in sand. Like, that is it. I want to be, uh, my feet need to be held to the fire. When he comes to town, I am seeing Flo Rida. And we won't stick out at all at that concert. No, 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 no. Yeah, yeah. So Sheila and I are pretty regular. There's this other woman, Teresa, who's pretty regular on the Sunday. But, but you know, people travel or whatever. So we oftentimes have a different person sub in for that fourth partner. And so we played against this woman who's much better than we are, I think, two weeks ago, and Sheila and I won. And so that woman's name is Lizzie, and Lizzie, and I think she was playing with someone, I forget. Oh, this woman, Jennifer. So Lizzie was like, let's have a rematch. And so Sheila and I look at each other, we're like, okay, and we won again. And it's like, mic drop, we're leaving. (laughs) And and so then we played just this past Sunday with this woman, Gina, who just came back from a tournament in a pickleball tournament in Las Vegas, where she and her partner came in third and where she played pickleball for nine hours a day. Let that sink in for a moment. Nine, nine hours a day in Las Vegas. I said, Oh, what else did you do in Vegas? She goes, no, we slept eight and played pickleball. (laughs) Like sounds about right to me. (laughs) Oh my goodness. (laughs) So we played Gina and this woman, Teresa and Sheila and I staged a come from behind win. And Oh my gosh. I would I just was squealing like a schoolgirl. I was so excited. <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. That's the thrill. So I think so there's mother runner magic on the pickleball court. That's the moral of the Sounds story. Sounds like it. Mm-hmm. Sounds like it. I'm just wondering, do you get off the pickleball court and you think to yourself, I can't wait to talk to Liz about this? <laughs> Like, is it, is it that your husband won't listen to it or he's, he's tired of hearing about it kind of a situation? Cause there's, there's certain things I can't talk about with my husband and I have to save it, you know, for, for coach Jen or my mom. Well, but one reason I do love telling you about it is because you have a certain amount of derision for pickleball, I sense, and for my obsession <laughs> with it. So I, I, I think it's cute. Yeah. I like being, you know, cutely mocked. Uh, so you do a good oh. job of that. So thank Thank you. Uh, uh, because in my world, you don't make fun of someone unless you like them. Hey, absolutely. This is endearment. Yes, exactly. Yes. Exactly. So no, 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 I will say the, the the thing that I said out loud is, I got to write this in my pickleball diary. <laughs> so, I, so I did. Uh, I I uh, sat at my kitchen table and oh boy, just wrote and wrote and wrote in my pickleball diary. <laughs> oh my gosh, I love it. I love it. And I'm waiting for the Instagram takeover where it's just called the pickleball diaries. Oh, I like it. I just like one it. day. Yeah, one day of you and and you give like a little update after every match, <laughs> and you show like the the costume of the day, whatever you're wearing. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. I like it. I I like it. So, and I get to play this coming week with our mutual friend, Stacy, the mother runner Ooh, from yeah. your neck of the woods. She is coming out um, to take her daughter to tour University of Oregon. And so they're also going to add on some sightseeing in Portland. So I'm very oh, excited. Nice. So she and, and uh, Stacy and her husband play in a fair number of tournaments. And so when we are text pickleball buddies so now it will be irl and we actually get to play together very excited <laughs> i want to see pictures of that oh yeah yeah, yeah. and you know and stacy's someone who i know solely through another mother runner we've never met in person so yeah but i know that you all work out at that club of yours that's close right she works out at the one it's that's closing. closing yes yeah so that's yeah all right 
So anyway, so it's small world. Have to get you out here and you can cheer for us. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe we FaceTime you, something like that. <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, my phone might be turned on to silent at that moment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, you know, another connection to you, Liz, everything you are the hub around which all revolves oh. <laughs> is, our, is our guest for the day, who you deemed the guest as, quote, one of the most energetic and vibrant women I've ever met to when you emailed me that I was like, get that gal on the podcast. And her name I realized right before this is very apt for this time of year. Her name is Margaret Spring, an ultra runner and ultra running coach who believes more women need to enter that ultra running space. Margaret lives in Denver, where she's also an occupational therapist who works with children. And Liz, as you told me, Margaret has got some great stories on how running helped her heal from grief how she raised loads of money for her very young niece who was going through cancer treatment, and how she leaned into her weakness, which was downhills, to make it her strength. So I'm really looking forward to this conversation with Margaret Spring. Margaret, thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> thanks, thanks for having me. Yeah, we are laughing because we've had some serious technical difficulties, but we're all glad to be here together. So let's do this. Yay! (laughs) So I just want to uh, tell you how I know Margaret. Mm -hmm. I've known Margaret for over 25 years, I think, over 25 years. And I was just, you know, spending some quality time on Instagram one day, Mm -hmm. and it suggests posts to you, and this post pops up, and it's a, a woman, and I'm looking at this woman, and I'm thinking... I know this woman. I've employed this woman somewhere <laughs> along the way. Mm-hmm. And when I came out of college, I worked at a group home for children with autism and I was the case manager and I had program instructors. And then after that, I was the manager of youth and family education at a museum and I had a seasonal staff of over 50 instructors. So I'm thinking she fell in there somewhere mm. and I'm picturing her in running shorts, very high energy. Uh, and so one day I just just reached out to her on Instagram and I said, hey, this is who I am. This is my maiden name. I'm pretty sure I've employed you somewhere <laughs> along the way. I can't pinpoint where, but I see that we are now both in the endurance sport coaching business. And so that's an interesting connection. Uh, and then Margaret got back to me right away. And she said, indeed, that I had employed her at the group home for children with autism. And then we just reconnected from there. Nice. Nice. <laughs> um, so, so Margaret, as I said, I, I, when I pictured you from all those years ago, I remember you were always wearing running shorts. And I remember that you had a background, I think it was in steeplechase and running. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your running background? Yeah. So I started running pretty early on, probably when I was like eight, I did my first race, which was the troll stroll. <laughs> uh, I did win a six pack of Dr. Pepper, which was amazing. Mm. <laughs> um, pretty awesome. I've always loved sugar. I raced in high school and then raced in college. I ran the steeplechase. And as Liz said, worked with her at the group home. So my days consisted of delivering newspapers at 3.30 in the morning, then working at Starbucks, then (laughs) 
then running and then immediately going to the group home. So that's why I was always in running shorts. Just <laughs> coming like immediately from my run to the group home, which is pretty awesome. And we were pretty active there at the home. So <laughs> made, yeah. made sense to wear shorts. And then I trained for a couple half marathons and then within the last, I would say, four to five years, got into ultra endurance sports and ran the Trans Rockies, I think, four years ago, which was a six-day stage race. And that kind of opened the door for some of these longer distances. Wow. Wow. All right. So, and I know you have a fur baby that joins you on, it looks like all your trail runs. And then for some reason, you have a real affinity for alpacas, it seems. So t- tell us tell us about that. Yeah, so I do have a dog named Popcorn, and I got her about three and a half years ago. Super high energy, loves to run. Still working on like her off-leash <laughs> reliability. Mm-hmm. And yeah, love animals. I love alpacas. Mm. Uh About every summer, I go to this little camp where they have alpacas. And so I sent you all a picture Mm -hmm. of me with one of them. Uh, Libby is her name. Mm -hmm. Look at you. You know the alpaca. (laughs) (laughs) I know the alpaca. There's some alpacas that are on some of my more frequent runs as well. Oh, that's it. Yeah, there's a lot of pictures of alpacas on your Instagram account. Yeah. (laughs) This is true because I love them. So sometimes I'll run to them and sit at the gate and call all of their names and they'll come running over. Oh so. my goodness. <laughs> so Margaret, you shared with me that your running recently has been impacted by learning that you have a thyroid illness. So can you tell us a little bit about how that's influencing your running and your energy levels? Yeah. So I was training for Leadville 100 last year and um, probably starting in August, which was about three weeks before the race, I started having super frequent periods and hair loss Mm. and my nails completely changed. They're all white, Mm. a decrease in energy and unbeknownst to me, like ferritin that tanked. And so started out just going to OBGYN and being like, I'm not sure what this is, like perimenopause or what, but completed, well, completed 88 miles of the Leadville 100 and then just started going to doctor's appointments. And in December was diagnosed with Hashimoto's thyroiditis, which Mm -hmm. is an autoimmune disorder. And so that has really just tanked my ability to do any sort of long runs or endurance. And so I've been focusing a lot on strength training. And this has been a huge change for me. It's been pretty devastating in terms of just being able to wake up every day and have any sort of running plan So I just kind of have to take each day as it comes and run what I can. And there are a lot of days where I, I get up and I can't. (laughs) Mm. Mm. So I'll sleep for like 12 to 13 hours and just not have the energy to run. I did start a medication for just the hypothyroidism component of it, but 
still, I think the autoimmune part, last time I had blood work done, my antibodies were up even more. And so it's really, it's impacted my identity Mm -hmm. in some respects, just because I associate so much of what I do with running. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's been tricky. It's been pretty devastating, honestly, even just looking at last year's training and seeing that in the last couple of months, I haven't even been able to do like half the mileage that I was doing in a week. Mm-hmm. And what prognosis does the doctor give? I mean, are they saying this will just be, you know, kind of figuring out what the treatment should be or? Yeah. So I think it's, you know, figuring out what the treatment should be. The doctors mentioned doing some sort of like a low dose methotrexate um, to help the autoimmune component. Mm -hmm. But there's also, I've been doing a lot of diving into the literature and research Mm -hmm. and looking at different Hashimoto's Instagram accounts. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of them are saying just like cardio is not the answer. So I, of course, having this, you know, be my life and having just some unfinished business on the trails. I'm like, well, what can I do that's maybe different in terms of like my training or what I eat or Mm -hmm. medication or how I approach it? And so I'm still in the stages of really trying to figure that out. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I feel like it's a work in progress. I have a follow-up in like another month with my provider to see kind of what's next. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Sorry to hear about that. So if, if you can think back those few years to when you did step up to ultra marathons, what, what drew you to those endurance events and what sort of, you know, kind of emotional gratification did those epic sort of races, what did that do for you on an emotional level? Yeah, great question. So How I got into running ultras actually was one of my friends was following the Trans Rockies race and was following, you know, some of the elite runners and said to me, I think, I think maybe you and I should do this. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) And she and I had only been running together for about four months. And I was like, "Mm, Are you, are you, are you sure you want to do that? Like, I kind of still want to be your friend. (laughs) This seems like a lot of strain. Mm -hmm. So she and I signed up for it together. And, you know, as we know, like training going into anything, it's very rare for anything to be an ideal training block. Mm -hmm. I think hiccups always come Mm -hmm. up. So she and I both were injured, I think, early May. Um, Trans Rockies is, is run in August and we just, we worked really hard and we overcame a lot and got out there and we were able to race the whole six days of the stage race. And for me, I'm always trying to run with a purpose. So at that point, I work as an occupational therapist at the Children's Hospital and a few of the kids that I've seen had been, um, diagnosed with leukemia. And so going into Trans Rockies, we wanted to do something that kind of served some sort of community. And so we picked raising money for the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society Mm. to help with research. And so I think having that perspective of life can always get worse and heading into something 
so big and so overwhelming and challenging. I think from an emotional standpoint, how we got through a lot of the training and through the races was looking at the cause that was bigger than us, Mm. which was, you know, helping this community, childhood community, cancer community. And so, yeah, we were able to raise almost $20,000 for for the cause. And each day that we were out there, we picked a different person to run for Mm. during the race Mm. and wore their favorite color, which was super fun. And our goal was to be able to provide each child that we ran for a medal. And so we were able to win each stage of the race and bring those medals to those kids along with knowing that we were giving this money to this cause. So Wow. Wait, so you you won stages of the Trans Rockies the first time you ran it? Yeah, we were able to win every single stage. So we put a lot of pressure on ourselves, but we're like, oh, this one's for Eli and this one's for Taylor. And, Mm. you know, sadly, three of the individuals that we ran for are are now dead. And Mm -hmm. so it's, yeah. So I've I've tied a lot of what I've done in the endurance world to running for some sort of cause. Mm-hmm. So that's how I think I get through the emotional ups and downs, just knowing that there are other people out there fighting for something bigger. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So along those same lines, you raised money for your niece who had cancer um, by doing the, now let me see if I get this correct. The Grand Canyon rim to rim to rim run? Rim to rim to rim to rim to rim. <laughs> wait, wait. So if you start a rim. So you, rim to rim squared. No. Rim to rim squared. To the, yeah. No, to the power of five. Well, rim five. to rim. Yeah, yeah. So so that if you started on the, I'm just going to say north side, then you'd end up eventually on the south side. Yes, like you. Um, so I started on the south side and ended up on the south side. So south, north, north. south, north, south. Oh boy! Wow! Wow! Okay, now that we've thoroughly confused ourselves <laughs> with that, tell us about what about your niece and and how that pushed you and and helped propel you forward. Yeah. So last August, my niece, who was 18 months at the time, was diagnosed with medulloblastoma, which she was 18 months at her diagnosis. And she, in the beginning, had two major brain surgeries to remove multiple tumors. So it was pretty heavy on our family. She has three older sisters, and we knew that it was going to be a long journey for her. And I had spent about a week to a week and a half down in Texas with my family shortly after her diagnosis uh, following her brain surgeries. And I decided I wanted to do something to raise awareness for brain tumors and medulloblastoma and specifically for what my niece and her siblings were walking through. And I had done the rim to rim to rim in May of that year. And so I just was like, well, I could have an artist design hats and I could go do this 
crazy adventure and try and raise funds for research for medulloblastoma. So I had picked a date in November and I think I raised around 15,000 um, for medulloblastoma research in honor of Millie. And one thing I'll say is just that the ultra community is pretty incredible in terms of helping spread the word. And I had a bunch of friends actually hop in. It was right before Thanksgiving to help do laps. And so the first lap I did by myself and ran into a coyote on my way down, Mm. which was (laughs) kind of scary. I did the whole thing in the dark. I started, I think, Mm. around midnight. And my goal you know, in the back of my head, not only was I raising money for medulloblastoma, but I was hoping to get this fastest known time for this adventure and got got to the North Rim on the second time, picked up my friend Aiden, mm-hmm. headed down and about mile 70, had to stop and use the restroom (laughs) as we sometimes do during such a long adventure, Mm -hmm. uh, lost my balance and (laughs) fell backwards and broke my tailbone. Oh, 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 no. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Which was like, my friend Aiden was like, oh my gosh, what was, was that? That sounded scary. I'm like, so that was my tailbone. (laughs) Wow. And I'm pretty sure I just broke it. (laughs) Oh oh, my goodness. Which I did. And I still had 18 miles and over 5,000 feet of climbing to do to get out of the canyon. And so we put on some true crime podcasts. (laughs) And... (laughs) And completed the 18-mile climb out of the canyon, you know, slower than I had wanted. But the whole time, I just kept thinking about Millie and all she'd walked through and her sisters and my brother and his wife and was just like, this is a fraction of the pain that they're walking through right now. And so I can do this. And so got to the top and I think in about... 27 hours, so a couple hours short of the FKT. But for me, (laughs) finishing (laughs) with a broken tailbone was a, you know, I was like, I just did that. (laughs) (laughs) You sure did. Uh, Wow. Wow. That's not where I saw that story going. Uh. Yeah. (laughs) Pretty brutal. I went to the orthopedist like three days after and they took the x-rays and he was like, how in the name of God did you get out of the canyon? (laughs) And I was like, great question. Um, (laughs) Slowly? (laughs) Slowly. I was like, it was either that or a $10,000, you know, helicopter ride. And then Mm -hmm. what money goes to the organizations? Right, right, right. (laughs) Siphoning of uh, fundraising dollars. Uh, Not going to happen. Oh my goodness. All right, folks, well, stay with us. We're going to hear more stories from Margaret after we hear from the brands who bring us this episode. We'll be back soon. So, all right, Margaret, so you've established that you are a, a tough cookie 
And as all of us know, running is a salve that heals many metaphorical wounds. So when Liz told me that running helped you heal from grief, is there a short story that you can share with us about that? I mean, I think we're always in this healing process Mm. um, from grief. But yeah, I... I think there've been a lot of a lot of places where that's come into contact but I think specifically even with Millie just training for the Grand Canyon and bringing awareness to cancer and and being really sad and devastated about the situation that my family had to walk through mm-hmm. but being able to bring awareness through through my running and also be out in nature and just see the overall beauty of what life brings has been incredibly healing for me. Mm. So I have to ask a question that I don't know if I want to know the answer to, but how is Millie doing? Yeah, so Millie seems to be doing okay right now. She Mm. actually has her one year post transplant scan today. Mm. She has her MRI and spinal MRI. And so with medulloblastoma, She did a stem cell transplant last March, which is supposed to help, but you're not considered cured until you go through five years without cancer. And Mm. the greatest possibility of return is within the first year. So we all are just waiting for these MRI results and hoping, holding our breath and making sure that she's, you know, at least made it through this first scary year. But She's just thriving, being around mm. her siblings and has done a lot of therapy and rehab and has some hair growth back, which is super exciting. Mm. So, yeah. so far, so good. So we'll have our fingers crossed that that continues. Oh, yeah. I know yeah. that that everyone listening is thinking the same thing that Liz and I are, which is we, we just wish you, your family, such good news. Oh, thank you. So, Margaret, based on your Grand Canyon experience... What advice would you give to women who might be thinking about completing rim to rim? I know we have some women who are on our rim to rim plan through another mother runner. Um, so what, what do they need to know? So I would say, depending on when you go, definitely do some sort of heat acclimation because the canyon floor gets really warm. Mm. My friend and I that I did it with the first time spent a lot of time reading about the adventure. We had a Garmin inReach. We had ways to get water. So you want to make sure all the water is open, bring tons of extra snacks. And I would say always just plan for something (laughs) to go wrong because it's going to happen. In terms of training leading up to it, I would practice a lot of vertical and ascending and descending. And so for me living in Colorado, I have access to the Manitou Incline, which is Mm. a mile up and I think it's about 2,000 feet of gain. And so training wise, I would go and do repeats on the incline where I would head up the stairs and then descend down um, the backside. So it's a four mile loop with 2000 feet of gain, but you're still getting, and I do that pretty slowly. Mm. Um, cause you want to be careful not to get injured and the load with the descending can definitely put you at risk for, for injury. But that, 
really helped condition me for those steep ups and downs that you get in the canyon. Um, that and just don't forget to look around. It's mm-hmm. such an awe-inspiring place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nice, nice. So, well, you've touched on something that that Coach Liz had told me was your running kryptonite, which is running downhill, but that you have somehow turned it into your secret weapon. So you need to tell us how you did that. Yeah, so I have done a ton of work on my descending. So I'm somebody that likes to be in control all the time, which is, (laughs) I know, not not surprising at all. And so I've always been a strong uphiller, but downhill, you kind of have to be willing to look like a Muppet and not be (laughs) in total control. Um, I definitely look like, if you guys can envision Phoebe running around Central Park. <laughs> from friends. Uh-huh. Yeah, from friends. I look like that kind of on, <laughs> amped up on sugar. And so for me, I actually never used to train with anybody and decided to just take myself out of my comfort zone and start asking people if I could follow them on descents and, and the downhills. And mm-hmm. so I had a lot of people that and I'd say, I'm not good. <laughs> I'm fast. And eventually turn that into, I'm learning to be better. So it was not such negative self-talk, but mm. did a lot of practice following people that were a lot better than I was. And I remember the first time in Denver when I got, you know, I'm on Strava. So I got the CR for a four mile segment of a descent. And I was mm. like, Ah, yes, I can do this. Mm. I just have to be willing to be out of control. So I would say, you know, for anybody that has a skill set that they're learning to be better at, I would recommend going with people you feel safe with that are actually going to challenge you on it to be to be better. Mm. So you've mentioned that you're getting more into strength training uh, since you're you're limited with how much you can run right now, what have you enjoyed about that, or what has strength training taught you that maybe you couldn't get from ultra running? Well, it's it's teaching me a lot. I feel like it's been really difficult for me as somebody that's in my you know upper mid forties to try something new and to work on getting better at it. I like to start doing something that I at least have an idea of how to do. So it's taught me to be willing to laugh at myself and to do the hard things first. And by that, I mean, like, there are all things in the weight room where I'm like, I don't want to do this because it's hard for me, like the Russian deadlifts where I just don't have the balance. And so I would typically avoid something like that just because I look like a fool. It's frustrating. And I think I'm learning to just really embrace the challenge or like focusing in on something I'm really not good at, being Mm. willing to laugh at myself and then dig in and find ways to challenge myself with something that's new and harder and being okay Mm. looking like a fool doing it. Mm. Some days you look like a Muppet, other days you look like a fool. Um, (laughs) Yeah, it's true. I just don't have that balance and coordination. And so I think for a long time, I put off Mm. 
strength training because I grew up at a time where it wasn't really something that women did and it was more like a man's world. And so, and just the fear of like getting bulky, all those things that I think my generation was taught growing up. And so it's just really challenging those ideas and, and belief systems. And so, and then I downloaded Sally McCree's app. Mm -hmm. She's an ultra runner. And so she goes through and kind of demonstrates how things are to be done. And so that's been helpful for me too, in terms of keeping me motivated. Hmm, Nice. Nice. All right. So, so final question. So for, for gals who might be contemplating stepping up to a single day ultra marathon, let's not go into that trans Rocky six day thing right away. Um, you know, say a 50 K maybe a 50 miler, what advice would you give them? And for the sake of this hypothetical, let's assume that they've done a few marathons and numerous shorter races. I would say it would be important to train with other people. Mm -hmm. I think that's something that I really missed out on for a long time and to go slow, Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) especially, you know, if you've done marathons and everything, everything's about like speed. And I think, moving from road to trail and ultra distance, it's important to slow down, hike the hills, focus on eating, Mm -hmm. getting all the snacks and treats. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really good at eating. (laughs) It's, it's one of my talents. So that's what I would say. Find your people, slow down, Mm -hmm. enjoy the process. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And work on skill. Okay, I, I lied. I do it before I let you go. I do have to, since you mentioned eating, wh- what's up with you and animal crackers? Uh, <laughs> I, I do love animal crackers. I think they're a great way to get super fast carbohydrates. <laughs> um, and they make me smile. So I really, in particular, love circus animals. So, oh my gosh. And you, you put peanut butter on them, right? Or nut butter? I mean, anything, really. (laughs) (laughs) I do like to make sandwiches with animal crackers and peanut butter, Nutella. I could put some marshmallow fluff on there. But they're little tiny. They're like hors d'oeuvres then, right? Well, right. But you just, (laughs) it's true. So you just kind of put a lot of them out there. (laughs) Super snack size. I did listen to a podcast that talks about, um, fueling and how you got to do like little bits at a time rather than dump the whole whole thing in. And mm-hmm. so that's perfect for that. Yeah, sure. It's small. It, it's limited by its size. I love it. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, we wish you all the best, you and your family, all the best, Margaret. Thanks for sharing with us. All right. Thanks all. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Wow. Wow. So much of that is going to stick in my, my mind. The just, I'm sorry, I have an image of her tumping over backwards while she's, you know, right. going poop in the Grand Canyon. Because <laughs> uh-huh. let's admit, she wasn't just being, I don't think so. Yeah. Yeah. She had a lot of good, there's a lot of good sound bites in there. <laughs> oh, I, I was, uh, I was writing quotes like a fiend over here. <laughs> <laughs>
Oh my goodness. All right. Well, as I said, her last name is Spring. So circling back to Spring, freshen up your spring running wardrobe with something from the Mother Runner store. We have uh, perhaps a new tank top for you, loads of lifestyle tees, trucker hats, running hats. And because it's finally warming up here in Portland, I basically live in our lifestyle tees, like our prism colored badass Mother Runner tee that always gets compliments when you wear it, or our heathered purple runner runner tee. So you can find all that by going to anothermotherrunner.com and clicking on store at the top. And we have a firm payment plan for anything and everything in our site if you want to spread out the payments a bit. Our podcast today was produced in St. Paul, Minnesota by Barry Medor from Fire on the Bluff. In the recording studio. Okay, wait, Liz, can you not hear me now? Everyone else has disappeared from the recording. Now Liz can't hear me. Okay. I don't even um, have hold on. I'm going producer to, Barry. I'm going to add to shepherd me through okay, this okay, lonely I'm add experience Liz to, here Liz in the dark oh my God, tunnel of quiet she and solitude. Hold on. I'm gonna text the two of you. Help. <laughs> Oh my gosh. <laughs> um I'm just going to wait here and see who joins me again. Maybe it was something I said. <laughs>